this episode, why is the Uganda telco industry hard to crack new players? Africel are the latest operator to exit the competitive market, but what is the cause of their departure? Is it the new operator license requirements or can we pin the most recent exits to the licensing regime? Good morning, Africa. Welcome aboard your pulse on everything business in Africa. I am Ruth Adon. For more, follow us on Twitter at The K Financial and you can find me at Ruth Adon. The announcement of the exit of Africel from the Ugandan market next month after seven years of existence, having taken over from French company Orange in 2014, is something many in the country didn't expect. But exiting the telecommunications market in Uganda is somewhat something the market has become used to. This would be the second telco in five years closing shop after Vodafone's unceremonious run in Uganda that ended up in bankruptcy. Fingers have been pointed at the regulatory body, Uganda Communications Commission, and the new licensing requirements, which many economists say weigh down heavily on telecommunications companies. Some of the requirements to obtain a national telecommunication operator license include network coverage to 90% of the country within five years of receiving the license and listing 20% of the company's shares on the Uganda Securities Exchange. Martha Bisamaza, a manager in the tax and business unit at PricewaterhouseCoopers Uganda, says, while we can appreciate the capital-intensive nature of the business, the cost of the license and listing on the securities exchange that is yet to grow poses more questions for investors in the Uganda telecom sector. It's the same thing, whether you are a current operator or whether you are someone looking in, you have the same information, right? If you look at it, you know you're going to have to pay for this license, whether you're new, whether you're whoever you are, you're going to have to pay for this license. So if you think about it, like we mentioned, like, yes, it's a capital-intensive business. It is, a lot of it will be funded by debt. So there are borrowing costs and all of that. And then on top of that, you're paying $75 million. And I don't want to trivialize it, but it's a piece of paper, right? Because it's not a requirement that, you know, invest $75 million into the network. No, it is to the government. It is for to operate in the country. So, I mean, if you think about it, if you're an investor, most of the investors are, I think maybe if it were like towards the network, they would be more motivated because they'd be like, we'll be providing a better service. We're likely to get more subscribers, along that line of things. But now it's that we're handing this over to the government and to be able to operate. But I mean, at the same time, we know the government needs the money and there's a lot of criticism for it when it comes to taxes and things like that, that it's getting it from the same players. So it could be bleeding a few out. So we have spoken about the cost of the license. I mean, there are a few other terms. The listing. Listing 20% within two years. And I'm not like I'm not spreading gloom or anything. I think it's for some of the players, I think it's wonderful. I think you look at different sectors like in oil and gas, there's the local content um, requirements. So we know these are multinational companies, we know they're repatriating profits, we know they're the biggest taxpayers, we know that they're profitable. So why shouldn't Ugandans take part in it? Right? Now, if you look at the companies that are not doing well, it is I mean it takes a bit of time to break even. Because you're still investing significantly, you're, you're going to have to take on a few losses in the sector. That is not unusual. That even won't necessarily be the, the case for you to shut down. But if on top of that they're saying within two years, you're going to have to let go of 20%. One, your concern is going to be, have you realized your investment 
if you're still at the break-even or loss-making point, what is, how are they going to value your share? Yeah. Uh, unfortunately, the market may not be as aware of what it takes to operate in the telco sector to, uh, for people to be willing to buy. So what does that mean? I mean, you may have to get a bank or one of these other firms to underwrite it so that your share price is still reasonable. But then after the IPO, it's back into the market, right? It's buy and sell. So you'll be concerned that, okay, I'm going to invest so much, but then I'm going to have to give up 20% either before I've, I've, you know, it makes sense. But also, can the market, and I think this is where the, the two-year limit is a, may be a challenge, um, can the market take on 20% of Airtel, 20% of MTN, 20% of, like, in the next two years? In a regular business environment, Probably not. How many IPOs have we had in the last 10 years, right? Now we're saying these big, big companies, right, can the market absorb it? And then what will that mean for the share price as well? What will that mean for the valuation of the company where the market cannot take it on in a COVID environment? Irene Sewan Campbell, the Executive Director of Uganda Communications Commission, who are the regulators of the telco industry, says that they have gone to great lengths to ensure entry and retention in the industry. And this includes providing an array of options outside the National Telecommunications Operator License. Because we notice that consumers don't have information or else they don't understand the information that's available to them. That's why they end up thinking they have to go to only a particular operator or only a particular operator. We, for example, created regional operators for the purpose of saying if somebody doesn't want to go to cover the whole country, and their niche is saying maybe central region or eastern region or northern region, they can get a license just to provide services in that area. This was, again, to overcome and lower those barriers to entry into the market. The telecom market is characterized by different barriers of entry. So as a regulator, our task is to see how do we lower the barriers of entry so that people can compete against the strong operators and people can come in so that at the end of the day, the consumer has the best choice. Those two being there mean that automatically you're going to have lower prices. The competition is not the only aspect that controls prices. But as a sector, that's a key priority that we have to make sure we drive down the prices these five years. So firstly, there are categories now in the licensing regime. It's not everybody has to become an NTO. If you operate in a certain model, then you get that license. If you operate in another model, you get another license. So you can, you can come in and get, for example, only a service provider license or an infrastructure-only provider license, depending on what your business model is. So at one point, they had indicated they were changing in terms of... And, and the reason we brought that is we observed that people were struggling. You give him a national license. You give them a national license and they're operating only in Kampala, yet they're having to pay for a national license. So what we sought to provide beyond giving the consumer choice, we also give an investment, an investor a flexibility. Choose where your strength is. Where do you want to focus? No one, for example, would refuse you to start small and grow, which is the strategy some of the other operators have taken. So what happened is this consideration also coincided with the fact they had just started a new operation elsewhere. 
And most likely when they weighed, they decided to first focus on the other one since they were, um, I'm looking for a better word, but they were not at the top in, in the market here. So they, they probably analyzed their competitive advantage and decided to first focus on the markets where they had a bit more competition advantage than, than in Uganda. She also speaks to why the adoption of new virtual technologies reduce cost of operations for the industry. But going back to your question, that was one of the reasons why we created flexibility and separated the service and the infrastructure license. So you can go for purely service license and lease infrastructure from other providers. Again, this was to overcome those um, barriers that I talked about because the capital intensiveness is part of the barrier. So it allows you, for example, to lease infrastructure so that you don't have to undergo those costs yourself. Then you share the costs. We've also set up infrastructure sharing guidelines, again, to reduce that having each operator set up their own infrastructure and therefore go through, through the costs. And the industry has also evolved. We have a lot of virtualization. So the type of equipment that now you're required to provide services is also reducing in amount because of that whole virtualization process. On the government side, of course, we cannot move without making sure regulatory environment, the enabling environment has to be created. So you need to make sure you push for fair competition and don't allow unfair practices, um, allow you know, access to resources, um, for example, spectrum that is required for, by everybody. How do you give everybody a chance? Um, also interventions by government like the NBI that seek to reduce the infrastructure costs so that then the market concentrates on service provision. So those, those are just a few of the interventions that are being made, but there are quite a number. A quick review of the other stories making it into the podcast. Netflix began offering a free mobile plan with about one quarter of its TV shows and movies in Kenya, a strategy aimed at sparking growth in the key African market. Netflix hopes the free plan will lead to users signing up for a paid option with more content. The world's largest streaming video service is looking to add customers outside of more saturated markets, such as the United States, where new subscriber signups have slowed at a time when competition for online audiences has intensified. Executives remain bullish on the long-term future, noting that there are large markets where streaming television is just starting to take hold. To attract customers in Africa, Netflix is investing in locally made programming. Oil prices rose at about 1% on Wednesday, extending overnight gains after industry data showed U.S. crude stocks fell more than expected last week in the wake of two hurricanes, highlighting tight supply as demand improves. Further supporting the market, some producers in the oil cartel OPEC and their allies together with OPEC Plus are struggling to increase output up to their targeted levels. Most of the shortfall is from Nigeria, Angola and Kazakhstan. After coming under pressure on Monday on border market jitters over the possible default of Chinese property defaulter, China Evergrande Group, the oil market's focus turned to tight supply issues. Rwanda has fully vaccinated 10% of its population against COVID-19 reaching the September global target by the World Health Organization aimed at widening vaccination and helping to turn the tide against the pandemic. According to Dr. Salando Guba, WHO representative at Interim in Rwanda, Rwanda has been a model of good practice in the region 
since the beginning of its vaccination program in March. And she says she congratulates the government of Rwanda and the partners for their sustained effort to protect the people of Rwanda against COVID-19. In May 2021, WHO Director General Dr. Tedros Adhanom Ghebreyesus set the global target of 10% of the populations of all countries to be inoculated by the end of September, 40% by the end of December and 70% by mid-2022. In today's look at the markets, the Rwanda Stock Exchange, today's trading session, recorded a turnover of 98,835,500 Rwanda francs worth of bonds traded in five deals on the fixed income market and 18,959,500 Rwanda francs from 77,700 shares traded in six deals on the equity market. And the All Shares Index remained constant to close at 107.94 and 147.11 respectively. Bank of Kigali counter closed at 250 Randa francs. The trading session recorded a total turnover of 18,775,000 Randa francs from 75,100 shares traded in three deals. Thank you for always waking up with us. Good Morning Africa is a product of the K Financial. And if you have any suggestions or you want to check out more stories, visit our website. That is thekfinancial.com. And don't forget to subscribe. You can also find us on all social media platforms at the K Financial. And you can find me on Twitter at Withadong.